welcome back to the Across the Pod NFL podcast. We are here for a week three review, and I am, of course, your host, Andy. Now, start off with an apology for lack of week two content. It was my last week traveling America, and unlike the first week or so, our last week, the Wi-Fi in our hotels were god-awful. So I actually, it was literally impossible to to record anything. I mean, I came on you know, Sam's podcast, um, friend of the show, Sam Moore, to full 10 yards, and my Wi-Fi was up and down all the time. So it was just it didn't seem right to you guys, our listeners, to um to have an episode when it, if it was going to be that. And of course, any guests I had on, it would have been unfair to them as well. But we are back for week three, and I'm back in the UK now. So we're back here for the rest of the season to bring you more and more NFL content. Now, with me today, I've got a first-time guest on the podcast. With me today is Charlie Grace. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, great to be on for the first time, and I hope it's the first of many. Yeah, definitely. And we'll start off with the same question we ask all of our new guests. And it's done to in a minute. It's going to be sort of explain a bit how this episode might go today, uh, judging by his team's result on Sunday. But you are, of course, Denver Broncos fan. Um, so for you, Charlie, what made you choose the Broncos? I can't actually remember. This thing, like when you said it through earlier, and I tell everyone this and everyone asks questions, I don't actually ever remember, you know, a concrete reason why. Um, my dad supports the Cowboys, so you know, there's no real link there. Um, I started just kind of following the sport on a basic level, and then I think I got Madden 25, which was back in 2014, I think. And then ever since then, I remember I supported the Broncos, so maybe it was just a randomized team on the team selection there or something, I don't really know, but um. Ever since kind of then um lived through the Peyton Manning, end of the Peyton Manning era and then um whatever has happened since, whatever you call that, the <laughs> car crash. But yeah. Um I don't remember an exact point or a reason why, but it's just kind of yeah, the team that stuck and I've followed with ever since. Now, in uh, also you must have, well, so 2014, you've started supporting them. That means you must have, what, in your first year or two, seen them uh, win a Super Bowl. I bet you must have thought after that win that it would be always like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had the first or second season, I think, was the Super Bowl 48 loss to the mm. Seahawks with the, the Peyton Manning snap over his head on the first snap of the game and all that, and then we had the year we lost to the Patriots in the championship game, and then the third year I think it was, or the fourth year we won Super Bowl Fifty. Um, and then Peyton Manning retired, and since then I've been through about fifteen quarterbacks and five head coaches. So, yeah, had the had the rough and the smooth so far. Yeah, I mean the the difference between um those first three years, I mean three straight eight championship games, two Super Bowls, one of them winning it. To go from that to not even making the playoffs since that point, it, it's a real. This is why I always say that it's a sport that rewards people who you know it punishes glory hunters and it rewards people who stick with bad teams. I always say yeah. that. I know a couple of Giants fans who became fans after watching them win the Super Bowl in 2007 or 2011, and since then it's all been bad and vice versa. Uh, I imagine Bills and Bengals fans have been rewarded massively from all their years of pain. So it's, you know, and apart, some teams are always good and some teams are always bad, but I think it's that's why we love to sport it because a team can be so good for so long and out of nowhere like that, you know, it's it's bad. So it's, um, yeah, and another great example of why 
the NFL is so great. Um, right, heading on to the fixtures. Um, first of all, the game of Thursday night football game. I was at for an hour before my flight home. Uh, the 49ers beat the Giants 30 points to 12. And then going on to Sunday, um, the Browns thrashed the Titans 27 to 3. The Lions humbled the Falcons 20 to 6. The Chargers beat the Vikings in a thriller 28 to 24. Uh, and the Jets narrowly lost to the New England Patriots by 15 points to 10. And the Buffalo Bills beat the Washington Commanders very convincingly with a 37-3 win. There's only really one place to start, and that is the Dolphins game against the Broncos, which is called my team against your team. And I believe as well, um, you're showing how to Sam Walls, friend of the podcast. Is that right? Yeah, he's literally across the door, that, across the hallway <laughs> no that way. way. So, yeah, um, as we speak. Course, Broncos Chargers, Broncos Dolphins. The game finished amazing. I never thought I'd say this. By 70 points to 20. Um, many records went on this play. We were three points away from tying the all-time record for most points scored in any NFL game in history. We could have got a field goal, but we decided to to, to be to pity you guys in a way and <laughs> for that. Uh, we were the most yards scored in a game by any team in Super Bowl history, and it, I believe it was the third or second most points by any team in the history of the sport. You know, two didn't have an incomplete pass till the third quarter. He had more passing touchdowns and incompletions. There were many more records, you know, franchise record for most points scored and four, eight, ten, 10 touchdowns in total. It was, you know, four for AK, four for most, uh, one for Tyreek Kill, one for Robbie Chosen. It was just a an all-round, just the perfect performance for me as Dolphins fans. Probably in my 10 years being a fan, probably the most complete performance I've ever seen. I mean, this games I've loved more. I loved the game and we knocked out the Patriots you know, and stopped them getting the number two seed, I believe it was, and the Chiefs got in with Mike Gazicki's late touchdown. I love the Mammy Miracle, and I love the Ravens game last season when we came back. Um, but for me, this is, I've never seen the better performance. I, for obvious reasons, most point you scored in the game, and I just couldn't believe what was going on. And it was, you know, I was on my own in the house. My parents were away for the day, so I was on my own in the house. Just my neighbours must have been thinking, what the hell's going on? Like, it, it was just crazy. But, you know, on the other side of the ball, obviously for you guys, Different story completely. I mean, a truly embarrassing result for both players and fans. I mean, there were a couple of good things. You look at the the, the, the kick return and there was a, a couple of nice, I think Sutton got a nice touchdown early on. But overall, for you, Charlie, um, actually, before we go into the game as well as this, I imagine you may, may be watching this with Sam on the Sunday. I don't know whether you're doing that or whether you're in the same house. But so first of all, your take on the loss, but also if you were in the same house at the same time, what was that atmosphere like with you and Sam? Um, I tell you what, loss. I kind of at first it's quite disappointing. Obviously, you know, I expected us to lose the game going to it first and foremost. So I wasn't. No, I didn't expect us to to come out with a win. So I wasn't massively disappointed in that respect. It was more, you know, when it hit kind of forty odd points, I thought, you know, hope you know maybe you take two out of the game. It kind of peters out a little bit and then the points just kept racking up and up and up um and the the kind of notifications on my phone just kind of became background noise it was like oh there's just another touchdown there's another um and I think it's difficult because I see so many positives on the offensive side of the ball after last year because last year was horrific offensively you know, defensively, it was one of our best years. Um, and this year it's kind of flipped, you know. Offensively, there's still so many positives I took out of this game. Like, Russell Wilson looks 
good. He looks like he's playing at kind of a top 10 in the league quarterback level. Um, Marvin Mims is obviously a positive. He's a genuine deep threat now. Um, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy regularly getting open on routes. But then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, we gave up 35 to Washington last week. He scored three points this week. And then this week we've given up 70 to record breaking numbers. And it's it's just so disappointing when you know like all the pain we went through last year with a good defense and a bad offense that it's now the offense is finally starting to click and now the defense let them down. Um yeah, it's just it's not even disappointment. It's yeah, it's I don't even know what the word is, just it's a bit of same old, same old as like, you know, one side of the ball is good, the other side of the ball is is just bad again. And it just feels like we're going to have another season below 500, another season out of the playoffs. And who knows where we pick in the draft. At least we've got a draft pick this year, I suppose. Um, and then the atmosphere-wise, we had a couple of other people come over to watch the game as well. Um, and we had the DAZN on and every touchdown that went through Sam was you know first checking his fantasy team because he had Raheem Raheem Mostert in there so he had a good day on fantasy football um but then it was also you know everyone else watching along as well and we had a good laugh in the end and it was all friendly banter I suppose but it was just wasn't even embarrassing I I kind of got to the point where I was just laughing along with him because it was there's not a lot much else you can say when you get blown out by 70 points, you know, you just got to watch along and, and go with that, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's just one game and you're looking at, you know, the playoff picture will be at three weeks in. You're only, you know, there's only three, you got, what's that going to be like 14 games left of the season to play. So there's a lot of time left to turn things around. And, you know, I'm I'm surprised. And unless something's happened in Dasdale too, there's been no, I was surprised there's been no firings on the defensive coordinator side of things for the Broncos with Vance Joseph. But yeah, of course, right now you are the, the bottom place team in the AFC. But, you know, there's got to be some confidence that this only happened in week three. There's still a lot of time to go. And as you say, the offence showed signs. New. There was some positive take from the offence in this game. And does that fill you with some confidence, the fact that it is so early on in the season, there's still a lot of time to turn things around and almost... It can't get any lower than this. Yeah, I think we got two get right games coming up as well. We got the Bears on Sunday, um, and then the Jets the following Sunday in Mile High with so many storylines with Nathaniel Hackett coming back in and all that, and Zach Wilson starting. So yeah, there's there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel that if they can get it right, you know, you're then only a game under two hundred under five hundred, and you're kind of all of a sudden back in the race. And, you know, the NFL is a momentum kind of game. You know, they always say it's not who starts well, it's who finishes well in the stretch. Um, and, yeah, obviously there are the signs on the defensive side of the ball that there's positives. And I think Sean Payne's come out and said that there aren't going to be any firings uh, this week. So we'll definitely, for the foreseeable future, see Vance Joseph as defensive coordinator, I think. Um and like you said, it can't get any worse than this. So I suppose there's there can kind of be a detox in the week of, you know, you put these three games behind you and you just got to start a new week, new opponent, new kind of mentality that you're going to have to go out and win another game of football. Um, 
and hopefully against a lackluster Bears team, we can we can go and do that. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's definitely, you know, some sort of light in the tunnel. But, you know, and I, I've said this before on our, our Fins Nation UK podcast as we can do check that out. We review the game in force about half an hour episode long. Uh, where I was, I basically, I do fear that we won't be, we may have peaked too early. I mean, three weeks have been amazing on, you know, but I, I think at the end of the day, you know, most teams that win Super Bowls don't often start well. And I think that's my only worry that maybe we're, we're peaking too early and I think that we could easily still, we went 3-0 last year and actually I saw on, I believe it's Good Morning Football that we have the same stats in terms of, I think it's, um, I can't think it was like pass, pa- passing yards per game. It was, it was two as like completion percentage numbers and stuff, yeah. wasn't it? His, yeah. Like, um, some, like his touchdowns and interception numbers or something are like exactly mirror image from last year. Yeah, and I think we all know what happens. You know, I was at that game last year when week four, and we know what happened since then. So I think we've all got to be a little bit of, a little bit of, you know, hesitancy about that win because it is so long left in the year. But at the same time, to only be sacked once in three weeks, you've got to give huge credit to that offensive line. Um, Daniel seems to be running, running the ball a lot more. And of course, last year, I said it before many times on this podcast, he neglected to run far too often last year when it was going well. Uh, and I think this year he's finally realised that he needs to run the ball. And I think that's the one difference I think that will be from last year is that Tua seems at the moment far more protected, but also the run game just seems far more efficient. And of course, the defence and the Vic Fangio, I think the first two games was a bit of a struggle, but I think this game really showed just how good this defence can be. Um, but we'll move on uh, to the other games. Um, other games, including the Indianapolis Colts getting an overtime win, 22 points to 19 over the Baltimore Ravens. Um, other late games include... Uh, Seahawks against Panthers. Seahawks winning thirty-seven to twenty-seven, and the Chiefs beating the the in a mess. Bears forty-one to ten. Um, but a couple of other early games. Um, first of all, Packers Saints. And this is one I wanted to focus on because of just the contrast between the the, the first three quarters and the rest of the game. I mean, Saints were seventeen points up in the in the end of the first half, and then they went. They were still seventeen up when it came to the start of the four, fourth quarter, and then at the end they went on. And, well, eight Packers scored 18 unanswered points and won the game. Um, and obviously the big news coming out of this game was Derek Hart's injury. Um, and he went off when they were winning, and then James Winston comes in and it all seemed to fall apart. So but on the flip side as well, I was really impressed with the Packers uh offense, particularly Romeo Dobbs, who I was big on last year coming out of the draft, and everything I heard in training camp. He came up with some big plays, same as last week as well. Um, and the other guy, his name is completely passing by again. I forgot his name, but there's uh, Jalen Reed, I think his name is, but you know the two receivers they have there, they're they're not big names, they're not like a Jefferson, they're not like a Tyree Kill, or, you know, but these guys are doing a business and they're doing a good job with really no expectation. So I was really impressed with the Packers and their their resolve to to come back in this game and get the win. But um, I don't think that their car injury is serious. I don't think it's as serious as first feared. I think it's week to week, so I don't know when he's back, but I think they'll definitely miss him. But what was your take on that game and just the complete contrast between? the game with or without Derek Carr. Yeah, I mean, the Saints are completely cruising with, you know, Carr in the game. It was looking like they are going to pin a shutout in the Packers' first home game of the season, which would have been a real kind of watershed moment, I think, in the post-Aaron Rodgers era. But, uh, you know, the, the injury was definitely the turning point in the game, wasn't it? Um, it went off with a shoulder kind of collarbone injury. Um and I I think being at home as well, the the atmosphere helped carry the Packers 
over the line because you know Jordan Love wasn't spectacular um, in the first three quarters. That I think Jane Reed had about three drops. I think there were Jordan Love had about through about five drops um, you know, throughout that receiving course. So they definitely had you know drop problems, but they got it got it together when it mattered. You know they kind of almost sensed their moment to kind of seize the initiative when Carr went off injured and they didn't look back. And I think one point that I wanted to kind of touch on was the last kind of two minute drill by Jameis Winston when he, the Saints kind of marched down the field and with a minute left ended up kicking the field goal short or wide left. I can't remember which way it missed, but, um, that then obviously sealed the game for the Packers. And I'd have loved to have seen Jordan Love in a kind of, you know, he's got a minute on the clock. He's got to score a, a touchdown or a, a field goal. He's got to get in a field goal position. I think that would be a great moment in front of Lambeau Field. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, I think possibly shows Derek Carr's importance to this Saints team, how potentially good of a quarterback he is. Maybe some people don't rate him that highly, but clearly, you know, him him being missing changed the entire game for the Saints and in the Packers' favour, I suppose. Yeah, and I think there's, you know, it might not be a too long injury, and I think the, the, the thing for the Saints, it's not a tough division. I mean, it's probably the worst in football. You know, um, three teams on two and one, and the Panthers no and three. It's, you know, it's... They can, it's like some divisions like the AFC, even the AFC East, they couldn't really afford to lose Derek Carr. I think that would be, you know, and I think there's other divisions. That would be the same thing. I think the NFC North is one as well. But I think, thankfully for them in this division, you know, they can, they can probably afford to have him miss a couple of weeks. And James Winston isn't a bad quarterback. I just don't think he's as good as Derek Carr. Um, but yeah, I think about Jordan Love, I think I would like to see him in that sort of situation because, you know, he's got the win under his belt. But really, you know, it would be nice to have seen him, especially early on, as a real test of his career and a real chance to get that experience in so early on in his starting career. It would be nice to have seen him, you know, do that and potentially, you know, have that game in a drive. But at the same time, you know, you can't fault it there. You know, they're two and one. Not many people were having them, you know, being like this. I think a lot of people were thinking it'd be a rebuilding year. You know, they maybe they'd finish bottom or second from bottom in the NFC North. But, you know, looking at the table right now, um, they are currently top of the NFC North, along with the Lions, two and one, with the Vikings, Bears, own three. So they've got already got a two game gap on the rest of the team. So it's, you know, I think the Packers definitely, you know, whereas years gone by, they have a lot of seasons, particularly last few years under Rodgers, they were going into seasons as one of the favourites and as ultimately disappointment. But I think on the flip side this time around, this may be more, much more enjoyable season because they're, they're going into season with not much hope. And so far, they are exceeding expectations. So, yeah, I think it's a it's a good year for the Packers. And I think that they'll probably view it as, you know, getting to the playoffs is probably a bonus, but that's not what we were expecting. But I think right now they could make it. So, yeah, exciting times for the um, Packers fan base. Um, now, I mentioned the Indianapolis Colts beating the Baltimore Ravens. The other AFC South teams, the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, played out a very surprise result as Texans won 37 to 13. Now I want to talk about more about not as much the game, but more about the the implications of this game because right now you could argue that right now the, the AFC South right now is probably the complete opposite of what people were thinking start of the year. So it's the Colts, then the Texans and Jags Titans. Where a lot of people have the Titans and Jags batting out for the division. So 
Absolutely. I think the Texans have surprised everyone. The Colts have, but I don't think they've been that convincing. I think at the same time, I think to get a win anywhere against the Ravens is good. But the Jags, I mean, one and two, I know they got the win on opening day against the Colts, but they didn't look great against the Chiefs, albeit against the Chiefs. But then this week against the Texans, you'd expect them to win. And they lost by a lot, a lot of points. So, albeit again, really early on in the season. But what do you think has gone wrong for the Jags so far? It's really difficult to pinpoint where you know, it's gone wrong because against the Chiefs last week, like you said, you know, you were like, they struggled, but the Chiefs defending Super Bowl champions at home. I think it was, was it in Kansas City or was it? Uh, but, I don't actually, let me check. Because I, they were home week one. At, so I'm guessing they were away because they were home this time around as well. Yeah, it was in Jacksonville. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they struggled to put up points, but then their defense also held up against Kansas City. That was quite a tight game. Whereas this week, they just kind of, the wheels seemed to fall off defensively, especially, you know, CJ Stroud, who, you know, kudos to him, kind of a breakout game for him on the scene. You know, he, they lost two games. He still looks okay, but, you know, he was probably the key to their, their win this time around. Um, and I just the jack the Jags, you know, they their problems seem to be in the red zone on offense. Um, I don't know if it's a, a scheme thing or whether it's a just thing of, you know, Trevor Lawrence trying to do too much. You know, you often see it where you have a quarterback who has a an A list kind of tear on his like a target on his back and he tries to go kind of hero ball mode and do it all himself when they've got, you know, Calvin Ridley Kirk, Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne in there. You know, he, he can dump the ball off. He has exceptional players around him that can do the work for him. Um, and the the other, obviously, negative point for the Jags was Brandon McManus being one and three on field goals. Um, I know it's obviously it wasn't a six-point difference. It's not like if he'd have made those, they'd have won the game. But those are the types of things, if you're the Jags, if you want to be a playoff team, if you want to get to the last stage of the playoffs, you've got to have a kick who can make kicks. Um, and kind of in the in the wider picture, it's definitely a point of concern that you're only one of three on field goals, especially when your offense is struggling and you're getting in the red zone and you can't put up touchdowns. You want to be able to rely on your kicker to at least, you know, come away with three um and give your defense something to to you know defend to hold on to. Yeah, and I think the man has had a difficult year last year as well. I mean, I had him on fantasy football and, you know, he let me down constantly, um, albeit in not as viable position on, on the app on the app. But, you know, it's a struggle for them. And I think, you know, we we know they started last year badly, and that's something they can look at again and think, well, we know we started badly last year and we ended up, you know, winning the division. But they won the division basically because of a collapse by the Titans, and that's not a guarantee this year that could happen. And I think they have to be careful. To, to not start the same way again going into the rest of the year because it's very rare that a team would clap like Tennessee did last year. You know, their week four game was against Atlanta, so in obviously in London. So they got back-to-back games there and I think that home advantage could easily see them go, you know, see them go three and two or even two and three. But I, I think that, you know, they've got, you know, they've got the Saints after that and the Colts and the Steelers and, 
it's some winnable games there. So I don't think it's completely, you know, a, a sort of danger tying it for the Jags. But if they lose both London games and then they lose to the Colts in a division game, that will be massive red flags. And I think that would be a big, big hurdle to come back from. So there's definitely reason to be cautious, but I don't think it's panic time just yet for the Jags. I think they've still got, you know, the talents there. They've got an amazing receiver room. If you include Ed Engelman that as well, you've got, you know, Kirk and uh, Calvin Ridley and, and, and Etienne on, in, the, in, the, in the ground game. Um, but that all goes to the Houston Texans as well. I, I love Tank Dell. I think he's 100-something yards this week, 79 yards last week. He looks a really good player. I think Damian Pierce has not looked great so far in the first three weeks, but the receiver room looks really good. And Nico Collins has done a bit as well. So the Texans definitely have surprised everyone, I think, so far. They've looked they've looked good at times. And I, I think there's definitely reason to be positive about that uh, going into the rest of the year. Um, before we go into our final game, we're going to focus on um, just some other games that went on during the weekend. So last night, there was a doubleheader uh, as the Buccaneers beat the Eagles in Tampa, no, so the Eagles beat the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay by 25 points to 11. The first time ever in history that scores happened in the NFL. Uh, the Bengals narrowly beat the Rams in a quite a tight affair, uh, 19 points 16. And then um, the late game on Sunday night football saw the Raiders almost come back into Steelers, but ultimately lose by 23 points to 18. But our final game was, I think, by far, and maybe joint with the Jags-Texans uh, game, one of the, probably the shock was of the weekend, as the Cardinals, um, who, of course, had a 21-point comeback, not in their favour, uh, that last week, um, and they survived everyone by beating the team that, you know, Pat McAfee called the Cowboys, you know, if the two bowls this week would be the Dolphins against the Cowboys. By 28 points, 16, it was quite the shock result. I mean, it was, um, you know, James Conn had just under 100 yards, one touchdown, they limited Dak Prescott's just one touchdown and one interception. So, I mean, this is a surprise result for me. But at the same time, I think the Cardinals have shown a lot of promise. I mean, they narrowly lost to the to the Commanders. They really should have beaten the Giants in the Week 2 game. And then Week 3, they beat the Cowboys. They'd, they'd be nowhere near so far as bad as people think. And that should be some positive for Cardinals fans. Um, and Josh Jobs has looked, you know, really good so far this year. And although I'm very sick and tired of hearing... Every time I see him play about his aeronautical engineering degree, every time I hear him, it's that same. It's like um, Jimmy Vardy with playing non-league, or it's like at the moment the Kelsey and Swift stuff. It's just yeah. it's like the announcers have sort of got haven't got much to talk about. It's just it's it's incredibly frustrating. It's like you know Ryan Fitzpatrick with Harvard. That was a constant frustration of mine watching him play all these years. It's like yeah, we get it. We've heard you the first hundred times. We don't need to hear it. <laughs> Regardless, I thought he was really good, and I thought the Cardinals really impressed me against the Cowboys. But then the Cowboys, for me. You know, they're a team that I certainly didn't think would go far in the playoffs. And I think they show me, and a lot of people in this game, their deficiencies and their weaknesses. But for you, Charlie, what would your take on that, on that shock result in um, Arizona? Yeah, I think there's two sides of a coin. I had, in my power rankings that I did in the week, I think I had Cowboys top, uh, Dolphins third, I think. And then this, this week, you know, that would be kind of, if like Pat McAfee, if you'd asked me last week, I'd have said, you know, Cowboys, Dolphins, Super Bowl. And then you kind of come out this week, one team has scored 70 and the other team on the road against who everyone, you know, pretty much consensus worst team in the NFL kind of thing. Um, you know, they've they've lost lost the Cardinals quite convincingly as well. It didn't ever really feel like they were in this game. Like it there was Arizona ran out to a ten uh no nine nothing lead 
I thought they come back to regret their two point attempt. I thought they should have just, you know, kicked the extra point on that first touchdown and taken the points, especially if you think, you know, Jonathan Gallon, a defensive coach, take the points, back your defense to defend the points, especially against the Cowboys. Um but you know, it didn't come out to to bite them. You know, they they um were quite quite convincing throughout the game, I think, with their lead and um yeah, Josh Dobbs looked great. I think um, Marquise Brown and Rondell Moore looked really good. Zach Ertz is a, just a safe pair of hands, you know, a safety valve at tight end. James Connor put up something like 97 rushing yards or something, scored a touchdown. Josh Dobbs showed his legs on one, it's something like 60-yard run down the sideline, which I didn't expect out of him. Um and the defense just showed up again. You know, they've they've really played out their skin this week. And I think Jonathan Gallon deserved a lot of credit for that, being a defensive coach coming over from Philadelphia. You saw the defense he put together, albeit with exceptional personnel last year. This year with lesser personnel, he's still, you know, limiting this Cowboys team to 16 points. You know, in the first two weeks, they've looked like they'd be able to consistently put up kind of 35 um so that's no mean feat yeah and i think it's you know, looking even at the cowboy stats i mean the fact they've beaten them with pollard having 122 yards rushing with gallup having 92 yards receiving you know and look at prescott having some, like just 249 yards and you know these are good stats and the cowboys at times show their promise on offense but so to have to concede all those stats and still come away and really have a convincing win. They were 28, um, I believe it was 28 to 10 up at one point, or um, it was, yeah, no, 28 to 16, 21 to 16. So there was, you know, they, they never, as you say, they never really looked out the game and um, never looked really like they were going to lose it. And, you know, I think that's a huge credit to Gannon to have his first one in the NFL against one of the favourites. Um, it certainly would have been before the game, one of the the... The, the biggest odds for the Cardinals to win this game out of all the teams that are underdogs. I imagine this probably was the biggest, um, biggest uh, point, uh, the biggest bet available in terms of the biggest return. So anyone who bet on that must have won a fair bit. Um, but that is where we'll end the podcast for today. Uh, before we do end the podcast, we just talked about then about Pat McAfee talking about his early pick for Super Bowl matchups. Now we are three weeks in, but we are going to give quick. I'm going to ask you as well as myself. I'll give mine afterwards. After three weeks, who's Super Bowl matchup? In February, um, I go Chiefs Niners at the moment. I think, I think it'd probably be Chiefs Dolphins championship game based on what I've seen thus far. And I just, I've learned through my last like five years of staunchly, you know, being a Broncos fan, denying the Chiefs are as good as they are. Yeah, I've learned you you can't bet against them. At, at this point, you know, Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Spagnuolo's defense in the playoffs becomes a different beast. Um, and yeah, I I just think you can't bet against them. Um, the rest of the AFC seems to be faltering at different hurdles. So whether it's they might have to go into Miami in the AFC Championship game, and that might play a factor, but. I just can't bet against them. I think the 49ers on the AFC side of the ball are convincingly the best team in that conference because even the Eagles seem to be having their problems at the moment. 
Um, Jalen Hurts doesn't seem like he's really found his groove yet, and yeah, I'm not com- I'm not as convinced by the Eagles as I am by the Niners, I suppose. I agree. I've got the exact same matchup with you. Um, I do think the Niners are. I think they are the most complete team in football. Um, and I think Purdy has answered any critics who thought maybe he was a small sample size or maybe the injury might affect him. He looks just as good as before the injury. You know, and if if it were to be Dolphins playing Chiefs in Miami, it'd be Mahomes' first ever playoff game on the road, which is, you know, five, six years into his career, two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs, five straight A's to championship games that shows just how good his career's been. So yeah, I think the Chiefs, I know I think I certainly, you know, I'm aware that my predictions have seem way off now. I had the Jets playing the Vikings and that seems a way <laughs> a really way off prediction. I think that's I don't think the Vikings even made the playoffs, all the Jets in that matter. So that might be one of the worst takes ever. I think that might be up for some award alongside Roy Jennings' Erling Haaland thing last year. So I think that <laughs> that's not the best. Uh, but you know, I, I still I, I still have faith in the Vikings. You know, I I always do, but I I just don't see it. Pitt. I don't think they show me enough. Um, although Kirk Cousins did to lead him in passing yards, so I mean, maybe if defense can sort itself out under you know Brian Flores, maybe maybe then never know. Um, but before we do go, um, Charlie now. People who aren't yet aware of your work, where can they find you on social media? Um, at Charlie G Journo on Twitter, um, and then I regularly contribute. I kind of do a weekly takeaway piece for Full Ten Yards, um, on the Broncos, and I appear on the Full Ten Yards podcast with Sam every now and again. So, yeah, that's that's where I'll be most likely. Brilliant stuff. So those listening or watching on YouTube, do give them a follow. Um, but this has been the Across the Pod NFL podcast, our week three review. I've been your host, Andy. This has been Charlie Grace. And we will see you guys for our next episode. <laughs> <laughs>